This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobbe, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration and the author of The Remarkable Effect. I'm creating a tribe of tech entrepreneurs that are on a mission to do something big and meaningful. I invite you to join the tribe as well, especially if you want to create change that matters and put your software business on momentum that you're proud of. The goal that I have with this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest on my podcast today is Dr. Shama Rahman, CEO of NeuroCreate. We are trying to get you to this peak performance mental state called flow but by training you to think more creatively. And we're doing this using a mixture of AI because of its ability to be interactive and obviously the pattern detection that it has, but in a very symbiotic design that actually encompasses the neuroscience of creativity. I don't think anybody's not creative. I think everybody's creative. I think it's yeah. like, it's just a skill, you know, or, you know, another way of putting it is a, it's a muscle that you use, you know, it, it, it's all like practices, tools, techniques. So what we're doing is we're digitizing, you know, things that people are doing already, but in a way where the AI allows you to look at things maybe beyond your normal perspectives. This is Shama. She's an accomplished musician, vocalist, songwriter with a PhD in philosophy, neuroscience and complexity. She has worked in several initiatives including Juggler Productions and Deep Science Ventures. In December of 2017, she founded NeuroCreate, a startup at the junction of AI, neuroscience and cognition. It was founded around the vision that peak performance is not just for highly trained elites, but within the reach of all of us. It's on a mission to creating a positive and symbiotic relationship with technology, which enables us to be more mentally productive, creative, and flexible. And this inspired me. And hence I invited Shama to my podcast. I think we can all agree that soft skills such as creativity and problem solving are becoming more and more important today. That's a blessing if those skills come natural to you, but what if they don't? And with that in mind, we explore how technology can help and give us all that advantage. We discuss the journey from the moment that sparked the idea for this innovation and the lessons learned along the way. By listening to this podcast, you will learn three things. Firstly, how real value can be created by removing people's blind spots and unconscious biases. Secondly, why 70% of innovation fails because we're prototyping the wrong thing. Or in other words, we're barking down the wrong tree. And thirdly, that you can create compelling advantage, advantage that people talk about by going specific and niche, i.e. knowing exactly who's it for and what's it for. 
So hi, Shama. Welcome on my podcast. And I'm really excited to see that you're available today to discuss what your company is all about and share your experience in building your company. Thank you very much for inviting me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I found your company well, through, I think, an email or, or someone kind of pointed me at your business. And when I started looking to your website, and I recommend everybody to do that, to see the purpose behind it, I got excited because what you are doing with your company is exactly why I started this podcast in the first place. So well, before, we start, <laughs> before we start talking about like the big idea behind it and, and the impact it can make, a little bit about you. So if you would have to describe yourself, characterize yourself, what words would you use? Oh, I think I came across a new word the other day. It starts, which is science, technology, and arts. And so maybe I'm a startist. <laughs> but yeah, I do science. I do arts within the areas of composition, performance, music, theater, interdisciplinary work. And then I use technology. So maybe that makes me a creative technologist as well. I don't know. There's lots yeah, of things, like right? <laughs> lots of labels. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, that's also how you stand out at the end. I like your word stardust. <laughs> so, yeah, talking about your company, Miro Create, and that's, I think that also already kind of has those two different aspects into one name, which I like as well, the neuroscience and the create part, the creative part. What's the big idea behind it? We are trying to get you to this peak performance mental state called flow, but by training you to think more creatively. And we're doing this using a mixture of AI because of its ability to be interactive and obviously the pattern detection that it has, but in a very symbiotic design that actually encompasses the neuroscience of creativity. Wow. How did you come about it? I mean, what's what sparked <laughs> the idea? Well, actually, the whole story goes back to when I was about 15 And I came to this country in the UK and I had to choose between the sciences and the arts. And I really uh -huh. didn't want to do that. And I spent, I think, the rest of my sort of, you know, let's say higher education trying to rebel against that and trying to bring it all back together. And, you know, at various points, I nearly got there, but I finally managed to put it together in my PhD where I didn't want to choose again, you know. So in my PhD, it was a very interdisciplinary approach looking at creativity. I basically came up with the idea, went and you know, approached three different institutions. They all said yes. You know, one was within maths, one was within like media, technology, and creativity, and one was within music. And I was like, well, let's just bring them all together and look at the neuroscience that basically underlies creative processes and different types of creativity. Also, it was interdisciplinary because I was looking at, you know, mental models, like philosophical thought processes, computational creativity, kind of looking at, you know, what innovation frameworks there are, you know, what types of creative thinking that people do. And the whole point of bringing together all these disparate things with neuroscience was to see if there was any sort of biological or physiological underpinnings to creativity or whether it would forever remain a very, you know, subjective and possibly, yeah, philosophical question. And yeah, so whilst I was doing that, I was looking at brain activity specifically. And one of the stages of creative thinking or, or being creative is the state of flow. And I found that in musicians who are improvising and when they, you know, had highly creative performances and, you know, 
that was interesting because it was like, wow, there definitely is some sort of, you know, you know, ring that binds it all. The physiology is, you know, leading to life or life is being reflected by the physiology. And then I kind of ended up doing a few years of being the artistic director of an art science creative production company called Jugular, which I started when I was doing the PhD, actually. And all the sort of learnings that I found of how to bring together the sciences and the arts in a common endeavor, whether that's to create a science theater play or whether it's to you know, create dialogue between scientists, artists, and technologists, also creating workshops which are educational, trying to teach academic subjects, but through lived, visceral storytelling techniques, all these things. I was always looking at the neuroscience underpinning it all. And you know, it was kind of like a lucky coincidence in the sense that AI is now where it is. I suddenly, you know, it, it all kind of clicked, you know, that insight happened. And I was like, well, we could actually make a digital version of all of this, you know, and help people think creatively in a really sort of flexible framework that, you know, that serves them. So that's the whole point. Wow. What is the opportunity if you start using this? I mean, could this turn someone that's not creative into someone creative? Could it create someone that is highly creative into a genius? Um. (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, I I don't think anybody's not creative. I think everybody's creative. I think it's like, it's just a skill, you know, or, you know, another way of putting it is it's a muscle that you use, you know, it's all like practices, tools, techniques. So what we're doing is we're digitizing, you know, things that people are doing already, but in a way where the AI allows you to look at things maybe beyond your normal perspectives. So, you know, we've often had people come to us going, you know, it's really helped me with any blind spots I have or any unconscious biases, which I think is an interesting augmentation to the creative process, right? Especially when you're on your own or, you know, you're, you're, you know, talking to the same group of people all the time, you do need to, to be truly creative. I think you need to like have more, you know, let's say a broader perspective or a broader idea, broader sort of idea of the concept space that you're dealing with. So I think that, you know, it could be an interesting training tool for those who are, you know, interested in, in upskilling, you know, and, you know, thinking creatively, or for those who are already in the creative industries, it's a great little collaborator. It, you know, provides a daily practice, especially when you, maybe you don't want to be creative every single day, but you have to be, you know? I completely agree. I mean, I really understand, I really connect with your point about flow. I mean, I've a couple of, well, I think about a year ago, I've changed my, my full agenda into a morning part, which is all about flow. Ooh. I call it the maker schedule. And then I've got something like I call the manager schedule where you can, can go hour by hour into different things and so on. But I mean, at the end, kind of the things that I'm doing and in the consultancy and so on, it's all about being creative. And at the end, the best results become visible and come to life when you are in the flow. So I completely agree with that. That's really um, interesting. I'd love to know more about about your maker and manager. I'm trying to figure that out for myself in this new coronavirus imposed isolation. (laughs) Like what what works best for me. And I think I've been doing that too. You know, I've been waking up in the morning and doing my music actually, just letting it all out. And it's this perfect timing. And then I'm like, cool, now I've got to do, you know, other stuff. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. So yeah, really interesting to get a, well, to start using your solution, first of all, myself. But I mean, I think... Who do you offer this to? Is I think it's typically, is it business to business or is it something that you also offer to, well, like artists? At the end, there are many businesses, of course. Yeah, 
Actually, it's interesting. I mean, we've created three different editions of the AI collaborator. And what we've done is we've created these big knowledge graphs so that it can collaborate with you and give you suggestions based on what you're working on. And so one of the editions has been trained on lots of things to do with culture, lifestyle, and trends. And so it's super useful for creative agencies. And it doesn't matter if you're like a freelancer or whether you're a big enterprise. So it's, it's both, you know, and the idea is it's good for, you know, creating ads or social media campaigns, but also if you're a brand and you're a startup and an entrepreneur trying to be like, what is my brand? What's my vision? What's my tone of voice? But it's also been very useful for songwriters and scriptwriters. So, you know, it's about cultural lifestyle and trends. Then we've got this other version on innovation, which has been trained on 35 million different sources of everything to do with innovation. So what is that? That's like technology, science, engineering, design, architecture, products, you know, all sorts of that sort of area, a bit more technical and know-how. And that's been really useful for designers, for example, or anybody working within innovation, innovation hubs. You know, fashion, actually, we were, because of that, we were actually part of the London College of Fashion's Fashtech Pioneer Scheme. And also that we have this other addition for games. So if you're a games designer and you want to, you know, create your next character or the story for your next level, that's really interesting. And it's also been really useful for like experience designers in general, you know. So is it like a new digital experience you're creating or an event or a festival and you want to know what type of person is going to come to this? How are they going to appreciate it? So what type of experience do I need to create? So, yeah, it's, I mean, it has been originally, you know, created with industries in mind. The reason being, like, you get into flow in the work that you do, which you are skilled at and which you're passionate about. So, you know, it's not like maybe some other sort of mental state, say, like meditation, where you kind of take a break from the work that you do. So it doesn't really matter for it to be that context specific. So, you know, yes, you can use it personally, I think as well, especially the cultural lifestyle and trends one, only because it's, it's both general and specific, but it's definitely related to your work. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, it's such needed skill these days, problem solving, creativity. It's extremely important. And I mean, in order to, to help people get into the flow and, and with that deliver their best possible work, that is just massive. So what did you do specifically I mean, talking about the evolution of your solution, you started end of 2017, I saw. Yes. I mean, from that moment, starting until where you are right now and, and having mm-hmm. customers using your product, mm-hmm. what do you believe are, were the critical things you had to do in your solution to help it deliver remarkable impact? To go back to a word that I'm really <laughs> passionate about. Yeah, you know, throughout this entire process, I've realized I'm, I'm what you'd call like product manager. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've learned how to be a digital product manager in addition to being a CEO. So it's really, really important like to, to have, you know, a great grasp of, you know, who you're making this for. Right. And so, you know, the whole process started with actually interviewing lots of different people within the creative industries to find out, you know, what are their pain points, you know? And from that, I then looked at the technology and what it was capable of. Right. And so we, we're looking at first in the field of natural language processing, as far as that type of AI goes. And I was like, okay, so it's capable of creating big semantic knowledge graphs. That's interesting. And, you know, we then also have gaming technology these days, right? So the front end is all based in Unity. So that's how people can be really interactive with it. And then I was looking at, you know, what are the processes that people generally use? They use mind maps, they use post-it notes. So how can we digitize that? 
right? And from that perspective, you know, say the visual look of it started to come. And then we definitely like, you know, we had like development partners, essentially within the games world, within creative agencies, innovation and copywriting. So we would always go back to them and be like, hey, this is our new version. What do you think? You know, and they would always give us feedback and then we'd go away and, you know, and then iterate on that. So I would say there was at least like 25 iterations, if not more. Sure. You know, and that's for the, that's just for the brainstorming tool. And, you know, at the end of it, we also then went out, actually, you know, just to share with you, the first time I I saw it actually working and delighting people, it completely delighted me. So it was just like, wow, yes, it's, you know, it's working to a point where somebody's literally saying to me, you know what, it's like a ball pit from my brain. (laughs) It's like a reset. It's amazing. I was like, wow. And another person was like, this is like a second brain. I was like, okay, this is when I'm starting to make an impact. You know, this is exactly what I wanted to do. Let me make a small interruption here. Shama just illustrated an excellent example of the process that she has used to create a remarkable experience for her ideal customers focusing on creating new value possibilities and making the effort to turn customers into advocates. These are two of the 10 traits that define remarkable software companies. It's part of their DNA and that makes them stand out. It's an art that you can learn as well. It's actually the essence of why I created the Remarkable Effect Tribe, which is an online work stream by tech entrepreneurs on a mission for tech entrepreneurs on a mission. It's designed to help you get noticed in a dense market start winning more and winning bigger and turn customers into advocates for life. So if you are ready to level up, I invite you to join. Go to valueinspiration.com to find out more. Back to the interview. And we had over a hundred trials across like creative professionals and also like students who are studying to be fashion designers, like I was mentioning, but also advertising students. And we got them all to like, you know, rate how well it did for them, you know, like different properties of it. Did it help you brainstorm better, quicker? Did it come up with more ideas with you? Did it help you think more flexibly? Did it help you think from different angles and perspectives? Did you enjoy using it? You know, which is the biggest thing, right? And, you know, we got them to rate it between one to five and five being excellent, one being really bad. And in general, people were rating it between four to 4.8 progressively as we're giving people, you know, the sort of more updated iterations. And that was for mental flexibility, creative productivity and product enjoyment. So then that got published in the European Collaborative Creativity Conference. Okay. Yeah, which is run jointly by the Marconi Institute for Creativity, which is an amazing you know, institution, which I first came across during my PhD. I thought, wow, there's an actual space just dedicated to creativity, you know, obviously fittingly by this innovator, you know, this inventor Marconi was amazing. And the Webster School in Geneva. So that was a real like turning point, real validation where, you know, we acknowledge the power of an AI to augment creative intelligence, to work with, you know, humans to spark human creativity. And so, so from that perspective, we've now had maybe five different creative and innovation agencies use it for, you know, properly enterprise level with their teams. So maybe 30 or 40 people all together would have used it in an ongoing manner, you know, over like a few months. So, uh, so what, are, what are their reactions or, or what does this help them become? I mean, so, I was trying like, to think uh, of the outcome of this. Yeah, I mean, I've gotten a few different outcomes. So, for example, you know, one person was like, you know, normally when we are like looking at a strategy, we might walk around the concept for about a week. And within 45 minutes using your tool, we've been able to, to get to the strategy. 
So that's a really big, you know, time reduction or return on investment. Another one is like, you know, if you have the strategy teams and the creative teams, you know, they, they, again, they shared with me that, you know, they were disagreeing with each other about a particular understanding of, of a concept. They're really disagreeing with each other because they have, you know, maybe different backgrounds or like different objectives, but they were like, you know, had we used your tool, we could have seen all the nuances in between so that things aren't so black and white. So it really helps with the collaboration aspect of things. Another thing was, for example, with some of the fashion students, they had gotten a brief to essentially create a, what was it? Create protective clothing. So their first go-to was, why don't we create an armor vest for defenseless women? (laughs) We're like, okay, well, (laughs) that's, that's a very, you know, it's just one step of creativity. You're not thinking deeper, you know? And by using a combination of all these versions of the tool, actually, they then pivoted and thought actually why don't we create a wearable for children and the idea wouldn't be for for defense it would also be very proactive in the sense that had they fallen down or if they feel in danger it would then send out information signal to the nearest caregiver which could be you know a school or police or whatever it is so they completely reframed the brief you know yeah so it helps nuances, it helps briefs, you know, it helps like creative exploration and research very, very quickly, helps blind spots, it brings in, you know, you know, ideas that you may not have thought about. It also provokes you to think, think you know, differently. So the whole point here is not to be the same as, you'll, as you've always been, you know? It's, uh, yeah, kind of the ultimate tool to help all those people that are creative or at least need to produce something with their knowledge or their, their skills rather than a product to make a difference, to create competitive advantage at the end. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it yeah, absolutely. It's definitely the conceptualization that you do before you go and make the thing, you know? Yeah, you know like, like 70% of innovation apparently fails because you're, you're prototyping the wrong thing. You're, you're barking down the wrong tree. So if you've kind of, you know, really thought about what it is in exactly who it's for and why you're doing it, you know, it makes all the difference. So then you can go and, you know, work on CAD or Photoshop or whatever it is Uh that you use to do your craft. But what we're helping you do is the concept, the conceptualization beforehand. Nice. So one of the people that always inspired me, Steve Jobs always said, you know, innovation is not about what you do, but actually what you don't do not do. So were there any things on your way to create a solution where you said, you know, it's taking off from the path that we are going, not do it, stay on course. I mean, one of the things, as I mentioned, is like, we're not doing this for everyone. (laughs) We wanted to focus on the creative industries because, you know, or at least the area of creativity. Like, so I could have gone, oh, flow, that's massive. (laughs) How do I get everybody into flow? Right. And I think there are as many ways to get you into flow as there are professions in the world or as there are passions in the world. Maybe it's a better way of putting it. Right. And I didn't do that. I was like, no, I, you know, let's start with the thing that we know best, you know, which is the creative thinking process. How can, you know, we use creative thinking and mental models in a digital space? Because most people now are thought workers and, you know, in the knowledge sector, they're not all athletes or musicians, right? For example. So, you know, we didn't, we didn't, we chose not to go down that route. We chose to go down the thinking routes, put it that way. Yeah, I agree. That's, about, that's all about segmentation and really being, being very clear about who you're for and who you're not for. So that's, I, that's music to my ears. Yeah. Chapter one in my book. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, um, though, you might be like interested to hear. We've also been like in parallel, we've also been developing a deep learning model that can detect from your brain activity, whether you're in that flow state or not. Ah, okay. So now, I mean, I'm saying it's creative flow, but you know, now we're wondering whether we could actually create an API for more different types of flow you know, where other people can license this from us, which could be, you know, other software companies to see if their software is putting people into flow, you know, or, you know, VR companies or theater companies, anybody who's creating experiences and content or games or esports, you know, whether they, you know, they want to keep their people and audience engaged and, you know, having an amazing time, you know, this is something that they could then license from us using biosensor technology. Yeah, exactly. Fun. But you are the specialist in the in, in you know the biometrics, the design, and the creativity of it. Then everybody else can do their own thing. <laughs> but that's correct. I mean, uh, yeah, that's also a question that I typically ask: what is a surprising byproduct? And I would say that's that's one of them. So, in terms of selling this, what have you experienced selling this? Because this is not something that people are aware of. They're not asking for this. This is something mm-hmm. that is truly what I would call creating new new value possibilities, things we have never been able to do before. Yeah, I'm looking to the future because essentially a lot of the work that I was doing with the Art Science Creative Production Company was very much looking at future scenarios and looking at science facts rather than science fiction. And one of the things obviously that looms up is the role of AI and also what people call post-humanism, right? And you know, much as it sounds science fiction, we're already kind of on the way. The idea being for us was, well, for me, was I was looking into areas of neuro enhancement for quite a long time. And so how can we keep up with our own inventions, to put it simply? (laughs) And, you know, future-proof ourselves. And like you're saying to me before we started recording, it's like, you know, what how can we envision our technology in a way that improves us rather than replaces us and how, you know, we can envision and create a more symbiotic and maybe positive outcome to all of this. So for me, you know, I was like, how, how can we have non-invasive ways that doesn't, you know, radically, you know, interfere with the biology we've already got, but actually encourage and enable it to evolve in a way that we know, you know, and understand, but, you know, evolve it nonetheless. And so that's where this whole idea came from. So I'm just looking to the future and the future of work. It's not going to be that different to what I'm envisioning right now, you know? So yeah, it's it's just a new paradigm. (laughs) No, but I mean, I completely agree with that. How did the market react seeing this? Was this like no brainer, we have to have this, or was this requiring a lot of evangelism, so to say? I think it's a whole mixture. Like, uh, yeah, definitely. I had to go and talk, you know, give keynote speeches, thought leading things, you know, at conferences, industry conferences within creativity. Also, you know, word of mouth, you know, being recommended, you know, meeting creative directors, CEOs, marketing people, you know, games people, and then, you know, either talking to them or showing them the thing, you know. And once people see it, they're like, ah, I see. (laughs) You know, and it's interesting. I mean, even once they see it, like, you know, some people will have, you know, a very positive reaction towards it. And some people have a very negative reaction towards it. And, you know, that depends on, I suppose, whether people are fearful of technology or not, and or if they are fearful of their own status as being creative already, why do they need tools? 
You know what I mean? So it's one of those things. And we're not saying we are replacing all the techniques and tools that people already use. It's just one other, you know, feather in their hat, which might give them that sort of advantage. So yeah, it's had, you know, these two extreme reactions. I must say that the ones who are very, very like positive generally tend to be the younger end of the spectrum, which is quite uh-huh. interesting as well, because they are the new users of technology True. as it's coming up and which gives me hope in a way. <laughs> I think this is going to be the new norm anyway. True. And yeah, you're right. Some, there's definitely evangelism. There's definitely like word of mouth. There's definitely education piece. You know, but some people get it very quickly. So it don't require, you know, very much explanation at all. Nice. And I completely agree with that. And that's, but it's, it's, yeah, see, with the different people that I interview, they have sometimes different challenges in in getting this across. But as long as the value is is clear, then that's an easier part. And particularly when people start talking about it, becoming the advocate for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this, I mean, I was telling you earlier as well, this particularly difficult and different time when we're all self-isolating and working from home, I think, you know, what we're doing now is, is trying to reach people and see whether our AI tool can be really useful to them, you know, when they, to remain creative and to spark their creativity when they don't have, you know, their colleagues around them anymore all the time. So this could be like a one-to-one you know, partner in your creativity, which is often really good because, you know, if you do this and you do your research and then you come to the table and discuss it with your colleagues, you know, you often get a much more fruitful creative session. So these are one of the things, you know, that we're we're trying to say that the AI tool can really help with, but also I'm doing a lot of creative facilitation because that's my other hat. So (laughs) exactly. Yeah. yeah, True. It helps. So what has been your biggest challenge to overcome? In terms of what we're talking about? Well, I mean, to, to get a, starting your business and growing it to where it, where it is right now. I think any, any startup person would say fundraising. <laughs> and, you know, we've been, so far, we've been funded through an accelerator and we've got a couple of grants, but we are fundraising for our seed round because, you know, like I said, the d- development happens through iterations. It happens through people's feedback. And we're ready to take it to the next step, you know, in order for it to be like a really scalable, widely accessible tool, you know, and that means making it super easy to use. It means, you know, having more development in the AI itself. So that carries on, you know, surprising you (laughs) and helping you and also, yeah, to market it more, you know, like we're a small team, you know, and everything's as far as sales are concerned are, are happening through me. And I'm sure there's other people out there who can help us with that networking much better, you know? So that's, that's one of the biggest challenges. And obviously with where we are at the moment, I wonder what's going to happen. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm positive about what you have and what, people, what the people need in the marketplace. I think there's a great match right now, especially in this time of age. And that's the example you just highlighted already. Um, I hope so. <laughs> we'll see. Proof is in the pudding at the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've told you about the fact that I wrote my book, The Remarkable Effect, and I'm always interested to hear from other people out there what they believe is, is the thing to do or not to do in order to create a remarkable software business. Any suggestions from your end? Hmm. I think like it would be great to be able to have a balance of listening and also, you know, listening to others and listening to your gut. <laughs> 
Great. Which is interesting because, you know, you can get mental whiplash, but at the same time, if you don't listen to what you're saying, you know, customers are saying or people who are very experienced, you might be, you might be missing out on some valuable experience, right? And some valuable advice. But at the same time, you know, other people are not in your shoes necessarily. They don't know everything about the whole, you know, journey. And like you say, we are creating a sort of a new niche, right? Everybody knows it's uncharted territory. So that's where your own gut and experience comes into it. So I think, yeah, the charting the waters, charting that fine line between being open and also following your own vision. Yeah. Have you got any techniques for that? Have you, have you <laughs> learned something the hard way? Oh, technique. Well, two years, two years of hard graft. <laughs> <laughs> And probably my entire life leading me up to it. I'm not sure there's one particular technique, but, you know, possibly like, you know, through experimentation, yeah. you know, and also, you know, taking advice, you know, say if it's from, it's, it's like having second opinions from a doctor, right? Yeah. yeah. You can take advice and then you go, you know what, mm, I'm going to push back and I'm going to ask you why you think that. And, you know, I will listen to that. And if I still don't necessarily agree with that, I'm going to go and ask somebody else as well and somebody else as well, you know, who I all trust and we have a rapport with and see if they're all saying the same thing or if there's something that I didn't quite get and they're helping me sort of illuminate why I'm not getting that, you know, right? So that's it. I think that's, that's maybe a technique that I've been doing this whole week, actually. And it's been helping me get better clarity. At the end of the day, I think that's what it is, isn't it? And other people are trying to help you get a better stance, you know, in your own conviction. And they might, yeah. they might not be right at all. They're just trying to help, you know? Yeah. yeah it's, it's back to that diversity of thinking and getting, getting an outside in perspective on things and, and, and mm -hmm. learn from that and then make your own judgment. I would, I would agree. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I've just, maybe I've been doing exactly what the tool does, you know, what the tool helps you do, which is it helps you broaden your perspectives, diverge, 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 and then it helps you converge. Yeah. So that's what I, maybe that's a technique <laughs> that I'd like so to it's say. A, it's, it's a helps. tool that every CEO needs to have on this planet. <laughs> so what is next for you? What is your aspiration for the next 12 months? Well, I think really, really focus on what's happening these next three months because we're in lockdown here. Yeah, um, true. Yeah. And, you know, we hopefully by next week, we are going to be launching this whole sort of thing for C-level people, you know, CEOs, creative directors, you know, COOs to help them think differently about, you know, any problems that they might be having, particular, you know, brief with a client or, you know, helping their teams collaborate. And that would be a mixture of, you know, using the AI tool to help them, but also my own creative facilitation techniques and yeah. tools using neuroscience and, you know, the theater world, all sorts of things. So that's going to be the next thing which I'm really excited about, you know, just to see, you know, I'd, I'd love to see how I can help people in this space and, you know, maintain their creativity or spark it or, you know, just do things differently in a very playful way where, you know we can provide an oasis in this stressful time, you know? And I'm not apart from that. Obviously, I mentioned fundraising. <laughs> and I'd love to see us be a sustainable, growing startup. I hope you achieve all of that. And I, I have no doubt that it's going to be a success because this is what the world needs. And you, I think you come in the right place at the right time. So where can people go to find out more about yeah. Mirror Creates and to say so hi to you? Absolutely. So our bigger vision about flow and our two products for, our, you know, our two components to our platform is all encompassed in our sort of, you know, mother page, which is www.neurocreate.co.uk because we're a UK based company. And then if you want to look specifically at the AI powered brainstorming tool for 
you know, creative teams. You just add a slash and add creative at the end of that. You can reach me through either LinkedIn or you can email me shama, S-H-A-M-A, at neurocreate.co.uk. And yeah, really simple. And you can book a call with me, you know, and I can start understanding what you'd like help with. That's going to be loud and clear on this on the podcast when it's going to be out. I really want to thank you for your time today and the inspiration that you provided and some very interesting new insights, both on products, technology, and but also in terms of what is possible going forward. Thank you so much for inviting me. <laughs> it was a pleasure. <laughs> and, uh, so it, maybe it's also, also selfish. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we need a lot of connectivity, you know. I call this social coming together, but physical distancing, you know. That's it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, good luck with the company. Thank you very much. Thank you. And this ends my interview with Shama. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And by all means, if you have any questions or thoughts, please share them with us. And if you got inspired by this and liked it, please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on the mission that you have in your network. Other than that... Thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Dr. Shama Rahman, CEO of NeuroCreate. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. questions we've got answers business leadership ownership and sales can be challenging tune into the accelerate your business growth podcast to learn from the world's experts join me your host diane helbig as i chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business you'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas tips and suggestions you need to realize greater success Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.